Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 6th of Feb 2023. This is a bite size. It's just Webby and me this morning and we're tight on time. Much as we love the podcast, sometimes life takes over. And I know we've got many dedicated listeners who can't live without hearing our voices. So say hello, Webby. Morning. And we actually had a, a meeting this week, didn't we, where we spoke to a farmer's group, Fran Farmer's Group. They wanted to be enlightened. And it transpires that lots and lots of people in the room were listeners, weren't there? Yeah, loads. And actually, one of the Fram Farm members very kindly bought a load of beers. He did, but as it's 10.20 on the Friday morning, and we're not going to drink beer right now because we've got too many things to do. <laughs> we've got to give him a mention uh, yeah. next week, won't we? Yeah, we've definitely really will. But Carl, yeah, well, Carl Driver, you know, he bought us the beer, a big box of it. And, yeah, thank you very much for Fram for asking us along anyway, and thanks for being such a motley crew. I had a message that we can't repeat on air because I'll get in trouble, but it was a good meeting, I think, wasn't it? I enjoyed it anyway. No, it was great. You were clearly in your element. You loved it. Yeah, I was called a celebrity. I was, my ego's really boosted. Anyway, right, so on to the market. We'll do the prices first. Feed wheat, old crop, 222x farm for Feb, 224 for April, 224 for May, and then about 227 for June. At the moment, there's some good premiums being paid for that, that the market will find a place where X farm values for the later months are getting stuff, you know, when people want to get their sheds cleared out, there will be a premium for that. And looking at feed barley, that's kind of in the doldrums. It's had it, isn't it? So 204x for March, old crop, something like that. There isn't any export interest. There isn't a lot of buying interest. Appears to be plenty of barley left over. On to malting barley. Depending on the grade, the market is trading somewhere round about X Farm 235 to 240, depending on what the grade is or what variety it is. So if you've got any of that, it's the old thing. We might need a little bit of craft. I'm not sure. We're seeing how it's going at the moment. And we don't need anything else particularly. So there are one or two people with the odd cargo about to fill up. And there's some shorts into one or two consumers. So there is markets out there, but it doesn't particularly feel very healthy. On that one, don't forget that this year's crop was exceptionally good quality. Very low nitrogen, very dry, bold. All of the things that a monster wants, especially on some of the distilling varieties. And come June, the weather may have done some really bad things to the crop that's growing in the ground. So if they're confronted with the reality of a 96 retained 1.54 nitrogen laureate from 2022 harvest, and they can see the knitting needles that are about to get harvested following the hideous heat wave or whatever it is, it will become a more popular thing. So if, if we hold on to anything till the end, it will be something like that. I don't recommend farmers carrying stuff from one year to the next unless they're really confident in their storage, which a number of you are. You usually get the stuff out of the way and, and then trade the next season's crop. Moving on to new crop. 
and I'll come back to rape in a minute, I'll ask Webby and he'll suddenly have to start racking his brains what the prices are. On new crop, the X farm value for feed wheat for harvest is 198 Delivered to one of our stores for Harvest Movement 207. Now, there's a big gap in that. There's £9 a tonne haulage. That reflects how difficult it is to get haulage at harvest time at the speed that people want it. So let's be clear, you can probably arrange haulage for less money than that and make it 200x farm easily. But 207 delivered, £20 under the futures price is the price we're paying into our stores for immediate movement. September 208X, so a massive difference to harvest, immediate movement value. 211 October, 212 November, that's the current values. Futures are trading as we speak at 227 for November. Malting barley, harvest movement, spring barley, distilling varieties, 16 nitrogen, 250. X farm winter barley 240 on a 165 nitrogen basis yeah i mean historically those are brilliant prices but it feels like farmers don't think it's enough what do you reckon to that one webby no i completely agree i think everyone would like to see 270 to 280 range is my hunch and that's based upon the fact that it was 300 last year and therefore I think so. yeah strange thing psychology isn't it one year ago today if we'd bid someone 250 for their spring barley they'd have, they'd have wept with joy and kissed our feet there you go, times change. So back to feed barley for harvest. Who wants feed barley? Bloody old stuff, excuse my French. 185x harvest movement would be a guess. Uh, yeah, we'll take it off your hands at that, but I mean, haven't really thought about that much. Nobody else seems to think about it either, so we'll leave it at that. Discount to wheat, 15 quid, boom. What's your rate, Ian? Yeah, I mean, it's trading, I think, in the 450 range. It's still in the doldrums. Yes, it's probably picked up 15 quid, 20 quid in the last couple of weeks, but Is it gonna people go have switched off to it. Is it going to go just up at the end? I come off the phone with a friend in the trade, and he was talking about big lineups of Aussie coming over and still some bolts are coming over. The UK farmer has been switched off to it, which has meant a lot of imports coming in. So, so that means... I think a lot of people are mystified or disbelief of how low it's got. You know, God, whether it's farmers, whether it's guys in the trade, but it's a real struggle to see that golden finish okay. to it. And I think 500, everyone's going to line up to want to sell that. But I mean, 500, what that represents is, well, crudely for Norfolk, a delivered value of 525, 530 once you've allowed for haulage. So we don't think it's going to make it, do we, mm. at the moment? Baffling, though, because we had a market that was tighter than tight. Well, it was 700-odd pound a ton, wasn't it? Very scary. Generally, the general market, my feeling at the moment is, old crop wheat is, there's lots of boats about in East Anglia, so there is all of a sudden lots of people trying to buy ex-farm wheat. And we got the US Air Force practising manoeuvres above our heads at the moment, and we're kind of looking here on, the, on this, but there's several big military aircraft doing a bit of a, whatever they're doing, practising. So old crop wheat, the boats are piling out of East Anglia. That's where the market kind of is. We're almost a premium to Yorkshire at the moment. Well, not quite, but we're disproportionately high because all of a sudden there's an interest and there's a premium trading over the futures. It's very clear to me the futures are not a particularly attractive thing. So the relationship between the delivered market and the futures market and the ex-farm market are all going to change. The delivered market and the ex-farm market are going to either stay constant or drop a little or go up a little, whereas the futures, I don't see the point in owning them. That becomes very clear in a month's time. They only come relevant when they calculate against the FOB market, which I don't think, my belief is that they're not a million miles away from that in East Anglia. You say that, if it's a big boat, then possibly you can just about make it work. Yeah. But you can't get haulage in the next month in East no. Anglia, no. because the sugar beet season has been extended, because a factory broke down in this local area, so all the local haulage is being paid. This huge amount of money, yeah. Yeah, a huge 
Belgium and money from the firm who tried to screw the haulage into the ground a few years ago and ruined East Anglian haulage by undercutting the local hauliers. So farmers got rid of their lorries and there's smaller fleets and some hauliers went out of business and consequently there aren't enough lorries now and now the factory's broken down they're having to pay a premium for it. So it really is quite a mess. The haulies are under pressure for the next three, four weeks. Well, nice pressure. They're making money out of it, aren't they? Yeah, but I think a lot of them will really struggle to get that crop in in that timescale. Yeah, I'm sure. It's definitely nipped up wagons for the next two, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Whissington from Cantley, which is... Five lays versus two into Whissy, so it's it's a big difference. Yep, yep, yep. So haulage is going to be a problem. Uh, So if you buy futures wheat and say, I'm going to shove it on one of my boats, bearing in mind that wheat actually isn't actively trading on any position until you get to May. So even if you buy futures, you can't access them unless you pay the guy for the futures now, do some sort of deal, which we're more than happy to see our futures go. You think as a storekeeper, you want to earn lots and lots of rent out of it. But I can see a real car crash at the end of this season with too much stock. I'm worrying about it. I'm thinking, I've got sheds I need to empty. I need to clean them out 100%. They weren't clean out all of the stores last year so we want everything out of certain sheds we will be putting big penalty rents on this year because i do not want that wheat there so if anyone who actually owns futures can hear me right now in february nice and early big warning get that stuff out because the penalty rents are going to be big this year i do not want have you, have you to just keep it booked all the longs into selling it that can help us short of it <laughs> you're right the futures look very unattractive against our local market you know we, they're not are we spooking them are we being influencers here are we going you long holders why else would we have a podcast your maths is rubbish yeah no i agree <laughs> no, but, but in the end long holders of futures wheat yeah. you're mad i mean the demand side so it was very interesting we had this breakfast meeting the other day and we had the prominent consumers in the room didn't we yeah we did yeah. have we finished with the prices what was new crop rate price just quickly do that one. Oh, you got me in the spot i haven't looked at that i'd no, say around 440 440, 450. No, let's, let's say 450, because by the time they phone up, we say, no, it's gone down now. No one's going to sell it at 470. 470. 475. No. God, dear, it's on the call, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and this was recorded three days ago, or two days ago. Right, so we're now we'll have a little advertising break. I think we're, you know, this is a okay. big moment, so goodbye. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Brown & Co. are excited to introduce the scale-up phase of the Future Farming Resilience Fund. This DEFRA-funded project enables Brown & Co. to provide free, on-farm tailored support to farmers across all of England until March 2025. We have worked with hundreds of farmers over the past two years, delivering the initial phases of this project, and have widened our support offer as a result of farmer feedback. We believe the choice we offer farmers is unique, with land, planning, environmental, commercial and agribusiness divisions all under one roof. We provide professional advice across a range of disciplines delivered from our in-house teams. Whether it is finding a commercial use for a disused barn, investigating planning potential, managing business finances, working collaboratively with neighbours, optimising environmental income streams, producing a greenhouse gas footprint, or discussing your business options going forward, Brown & Co can support you on this journey. If you would like to find out more or sign up to the scheme, please email defraffr at brown-co.com or call 01480-598-869 and ask to speak to a member of the team. Right, welcome back. Here we are. 
brilliant advert, whoever it was. Don't forget, you too could put an advert in there. Anyone, we don't care who it is. We'll advertise at another firm. You can come up with all sorts of squid. If it says something negative about us, we'll cut it or make something up and add some to the advert. But, you know, by all means, it would be funny. I'd like it. It would pay us money towards the cost of this incredibly expensive podcast. Hang on, I've just got to get the makeup girl just to touch up my forehead, get the sweat off again. Yeah, thanks, love. Yeah. <laughs> we just mentioned the, Consum- the consumers in consumers, the room. Yeah. Yeah, and my little joke about there the being a cartel. The big question is, we've got a market that it feels it is completely being led by a fob market at the moment. And interesting, there are some you know physical shorts around and people are trying to make some cover. I agree with the idea of it's not tight and you know trading off short, but when you physically have to come and buy that short, it's not easy. Hence why the basis has shifted, physically buying week, because farmers aren't engaged in it, which I understand. I do understand that. There's been some really aggressive ex-farm prices bid. Yeah. Which farmers should have sold, to be blunt. Yeah. And uh, I think a good chunk did, yeah. <clears throat> so is the market artificially up at the moment because of the demand for immediate spot wheat? Clearly, no one's going to sell forward if they can make the same price for Feb or March as they can yeah. for May. They might as well sell it. But what's going to spook the consumer into buying, or the, or more importantly, the pig guy who has to put the order in to keep just about making a profit out of pork? I think that was bluntly the message, is the consumers are saying they've got no interest from their customers, to say they need to buy it. Well, the price of pork, for example, is still incredibly cheap in the shops. So the food crisis, the living cost of living crisis, etc., has not yet had the impact of what's gone on because there's been a reduction in the size of the pig herd, not just in the UK, but in Denmark, the big countries, where lots of consumption of feed wheat occurs and there's been lots of pig meat coming into the market. So it's really cheap at the moment. Yeah. But... Just like with eggs, just like with milk, when the price hike comes through because there's less pigs around, it's going to have an impact. You're suddenly going to see, you know, there's there's inflation on food is not immediate, is the point. It's really sad, but the only thing I can remember, and Ben would mercilessly take the piss out of me, but the only thing I remember from my economics days at school was cobweb theorem, which is basically a supply and demand spider. It's like, you know, everyone saturates the markets, they all stop growing or producing, and then supply drops, and bang, 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 and it just... It's called what? Fish the circle. Cobweb theorem. Because it kind of goes around in a, know, a circular. Yeah. Okay. Cobweb Theorem yeah. by, by Ian Webster. His book. Who says my education was a waste of money? Your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother's too nice. I'm reminded about it every day. And anyone else? <laughs> anyone else who knows you is the phrase. <laughs> what education? All I occasionally come up with some interesting facts, not about work. Yeah, so cobweb theorem, okay, yep. Yeah, no, so I I see that point. We've seen it with poultry sector, haven't we? And then with eggs, yeah, classic case in point. I was talking to a guy at the Fran Farmers thing as uh, Jeremy Squirrel. He's got a free-range egg operation. And he said, luckily, his packer negotiated a high enough price to keep themselves going. But the supermarkets at the same time didn't, and people have simply dropped production of it. And with that in mind, is there a lesson being learnt, or is it just like probably the buyer for the eggs has moved on to be buying cardboard boxes now instead, isn't he? And there'll be a new young buck in there trying to buy them cheaper. But I do think this is the more longer-term view, but that the government hopefully have seen some of these cases or situations happening that they will put more emphasis into food security i mean this sounds awful but you know it's going to look after the farmer in some shape or form i don't know yeah i know i know you're very we are critical of the government and how they react to things but i think it'll be a global thing i think food security is going to be more and more important on that subject right teresa coffee has 
or Teresa or whatever they mm-hmm. pronounce it, with a couple of umlauts on there. The paper's been published, there's 101 pages of it. And I asked a little farmer's group last night, I said, well, you know, I thought about taking the podcast kit with me, but Elton John was playing in the background and, you know, It's No Sacrifice seems to be the wrong song. Anyway, 101 pages. I said, is it good, is it bad, where are you at with it? And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we can work with it. I think generally the consensus without really going into the analysis of it, and our friend from Vienna telling me that, oh, I expect to have a lot on that from her announcement. And it's way more complex. The decision-making process for the farmer isn't a knee-jerk, sudden, you know, you can't just go, right, I'm definitely going to use that or do that or do that. It looks generally okay. But the passing comment was, but they'll be out of power in a year and a half's time, so it doesn't make any difference. And that's like, okay, so there'll be a completely new programme rewritten by Labour or whoever gets in. The good thing is it mentions the word food lots, which is quite good, because they did drop the relevance of that for a little while. The other thing that's happened in the week is, you know, there was Shell made £29.9 billion, and they're luckily going to pay £406 million worth of tax. My maths is dodgy on this, but I think that's a bit low, because they've got all sorts of ways of paying tax in other countries. Speaking of which, you know, one of the biggest trading houses in our little world, ADM, announced a $4.94 billion profit for the year. I mean, I don't know whether that's a record for them or whether that's just a normal thing, but... It's phenomenally large. Well, it's 49400000000. I was going to say, it's a bit of a sticky wicket because we've had our... You know, pre-tax, we did hit the million pound mark, which, as I've said to everyone, we're ploughing that money straight into concrete and steel. We're building new storage at Cantley and we are investing in a number of things in the industry. So everything's piling back in to things that will benefit us in terms of providing a service but I mean I could do with another three zeros on the figure just for one year that would be handy what would I buy (laughs) farms yeah I suppose so then I could really find out how hard it was and (laughs) stop being such a critic (laughs) it's a very funny time but there are food security I think has the biggest threat from major corporations foreign major foreign corporations I'm outspoken on it as in having too much control yeah they're very, very more aware of the dynamic of the future than, than a farmer is, and perhaps a Diddy merchant is. And I think their next trick will be to get control or ownership of land. I think that's the tactic. The biggest firm has been to absorb the cooperative well, sector. They have, I mean, the big consumers are affected at the farm gate already, aren't they? Through the merchanting trade. Yeah. That is the last, surely the last step that they could yeah. take. So they're right up to the farm gate. How do you gain, how do you get hold of land? One, you inherit it. It's a huge amount of capital, though, for them to do that. They're almost there without having to invest that capital. Do you know how the biggest transfer of land occurred years ago? What's that? Banks foreclosed. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. So if you're a bank and you catch someone and you've got them gradually tighten the noose, eventually go... There's an awful bank that became substantial, though, no? Barclays, yeah, Barclays. Did exactly that. And that's how they got their land. And, you know, there's farming families related to them who still Mm. are on that land. But let's be very clear, the tactic of getting your hands on land, a good tactic if you've taken over the cooperative sector storage side, would be start a bank. People do say, I mean, the old value, you're not going to produce more land. My cobweb theorem is completely thrown out the window for that, isn't it? The supply of land is another one in elastic. That is it. It is not by land. They stopped making it years ago. Yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, I mean, the Dutch used to put... If anything, if your theory about flooding and uh, Norfolk being underwater, it's supplies going to go down. bloody theorem. Again, history repeats itself. History is repeating itself at this moment in Europe. There is a war in Europe at the moment. And you got the Germans, who are very reluctantly... They sent some helmets. Now they sent 14 tanks and given other countries the right to send their tanks in there. Do you know the real reason why they're reluctant? Because the volume of cars and agricultural machinery are being pumped into Russia. They are trading crazily with Russia, the Germans, on farm machinery. Other countries have stopped and are on the sanctions. So let's be very clear. When it comes down to it, every man for themselves... Yeah. History yeah. is being repeated. Well, that was the whole gas debate, wasn't it, at the time? Everyone was thinking about, you know, certainly the French, about energies. While you were talking, I just opened my Norwich City Football Club. Dear Andrew, we'd like you to retain your season ticket. We will continue to play exciting, scintillating football. Well, yeah, I mean, is there a chance to have Dewan Grain on the front of the shirt? As, uh, this is maybe a bit old school, but Flyby has gone to administration recently. Are they the sponsor anymore, Flyby? <laughs> I mean, sorry, this Incredulous is... Incredulous look, no. Who's the sponsor? Time. Who's Norwich sponsor? That's a really good question. <laughs> I can't remember. Probably be on one of these bits of paper, wouldn't it? No, I don't. It would know. be very, very funny seeing I'd during really Grain. I should know who the, the sponsor is, shouldn't I? Woodford's got a stand they sponsor, which is great because it's wary. I can't remember. Oh, what a terrible supporter I am. Yeah, we could put doing Grain on the front of the shirts. That'd be great, wouldn't it? The Yo Yo Club. Norwich up, Norwich down, up, down, up, down. In the time we didn't have the Norfolk dinner, they were promoted, relegated, promoted, relegated, and they're now in the process of being rubbish in the championship. So, yeah. Anyway, season ticket, yeah, I'll buy it because they're like gold dust. Everybody wants them. Sorry, we went off course there. One thing that we haven't talked about, so the relevance of the 24th of Feb. Yeah, okay. It's coming close now. And there's media headlines out there saying that Russians put a lot of emphasis on recurring dates and, you know, the Ukrainians are building or prepping for a major explosive escalation is some of the terms being used. I mean, what does that mean? You could very easily have a major escalation which has no relevance to the S&Ds of wheat because it could be, you know, the corridor's still open. That's the piece of the jigsaw that everyone needs to know what's going to happen next. Logic dictates that if you announce that you're going to move with an army on a certain date, that's a bit of a dim... True. You know, Mr Brown goes off to town (laughs) on the 821, but he comes home each evening and he's ready with his gun. If they're ready with their gun, if it was me, I'd be a little bit sneaky and possibly do it on the 22nd. Or wait... Wait for it, wait for it, lads, and then go on the 25th or the 26th. Wait till they got bored or cold or something and then move in. But, okay, so if they move in and do that, your interpretation of that is up she goes again. I think sentiment would be yes. It all depends on the future of the corridor. It won't go up as much as last time because we all know that he can't just take over. He's tried it. He's not got the capacity to physically manpower willing enough to do all that stuff. Mm. It would probably push the market up again, yeah. He could take out facilities. You never know. He could, you know, if you knocked out a few export facilities, that would be significant. Well, then you'd probably get a reaction against the corridor. Anyway, if they stopped Ukraine exporting, there's no point in allowing Russia exporting, is there? So I think he needs to export still. The one way he could hurt the West is still hit food prices. Hmm. And that would be stopping the corridor. And his history of trade deals being done and then going, no, I'm not doing it now. You're going back decades. And the market shoots through the roof because all of a sudden the cheap wheat isn't So he, he's used to turning on and off that tap and having control just after he's gone along of futures all over the world. He's got any sense anyway. 
Yeah, so I think that potentially he, they, I mean, it's not just him, is it? It's the Russian people. You you can't have a whole country put it down to one man. Yes, he's the leader, but the country are compliant, are going along with it, are sending their sons. It is those people committing those crimes. So it's the Russian people who are doing what they're doing. And are they going to stop? No, they're too proud. They are a very proud bunch. Yeah, if he pushes as another push, he won't conquer the country. There'll be a whole load more dead people. And I don't see what he stands to gain, ultimately. But if we're talking about grain prices, I think old crop will go up a bit. I think the UK's got too much, not enough export going to go. And I think we've got a surplus hanging over us. I think if you base your view solely on the UK, it's bearish, isn't it? There's no way around it. Totally, 100%. If you base it on Europe, yeah, I would say their stocks are reasonably tight within Europe. But again, I don't see if you stop cheap grain coming into you. I mean, there's still Ukrainian grain coming across through land borders and they're going to get themselves more and more organised to go through Poland and come out of the Baltic. I think ongoing, there is several bearish arguments for European wheat because we're going to have access to it that doesn't have to go through the Black Sea. So it isn't all, you know, fairy tale stuff with prices just because the war's going on. We may get flooded with cheaper Ukrainian. They've got a smaller surplus, but that's a surplus piling into Europe. And several governments would welcome that cheap food because they need to get inflation down and the world, you know, and so on. I think there's a number of things where everyone ultimately secretly feels bullish to this market, but it could be completely undermined by a very big European crop and a more organised supply because we've got a lead in now. Everything's there. Everything's in place. A more organised supply coming from Ukraine. Yeah. Got one last for you. This is probably music to because you've been saying it for a while. This is about data security. So there was a... Not so trading has a, a clearing was there's a cyber attack they believe is Russian cyber attack mm-hmm. that's basically locked out this company I think IOM which is a trading clearing business mm-hmm. for three days so they can get it right the reason I say that is because of your oldness and no not oldness anti- but you know you were talking about the electronic passports and who owns the data and you know can it be hacked and all that sort of stuff yeah so I'm there probably, is an example look it's very easy for everyone who swipes their phone past something and it pays magically or you just you know you send an email in five milliseconds off your phone that does you can do all these fantastically wonderful magical things but it isn't physically handed by you to another person it goes via the moon via a satellite possibly by the balloon that's floating over America from China at the moment, absorbing all electronic information it possibly can because it passes at a slower rate than satellites do. I'm not being funny. Wake up, everybody. Yeah, let's just whiz through our life and pay for everything electronically and pretend that there's no one malicious out there who's going to screw you over. But the truth is thieves exist opportunity makes a thief once you've got the technology to be able to screw up a country because they've said something horrid about you, let's do it, boys. And that's, yeah, absolutely. You can't avoid it. The reality is, no, is yeah. <clears throat> Norwich City Football Club is a cash-only stadium. So you can't buy a cup of coffee with a couple of quid or four quid or whatever coffee costs now. And there is no alternative. And that's a dangerous place. You need Plan B. Yeah, oldness. Anyway, with that, the final thing I've got to say is I mentioned the Doing Grain Walk, which is next Friday, the tenth. So the one that's coming for this podcast. We are going to meet at. My parents' old house in South Walsham, I've decided, we're going to go on the Burlingham Walks, which is quite a, it's a good two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour walk. But if we meet, because there's plenty of places to park at Old Hall Farm, South Walsham, the what three words where you can park your car, or the little drive you can drive down to do it, is sometimes belts supposing. 
There you go. If you head for that, there'll be an obvious place to park your car, and then we can go for a little walk. And we will meet at, bearing in mind we have to do a podcast, we'll meet at 12 o'clock. Yep, so yep. 12 o'clock, the 10th of February, at sometimes Belts Supposing, or very close to that, we will meet you there, or in the case of last time, no one turned up, but there'll be some doing great people there, and our little healthy world continues. What's the terrain like? <clears throat> I'm just thinking about footwear. Are it we passed, is or? road and... No, you probably need some good walking bits and muddy bits. Okay. Although it's been pretty dry recently, has it not? Yeah. Drought. Dried out. Anyway, finish on that note. Have a great week's trading. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.